What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Status Quo News. I am your host, Kim Brown, host of the YouTube channel, Burn It Down with Kim Brown. I'm always excited to join you here on Status Quo. It's always a, a, a rip-roaring good time. Last night was Joe Biden's State of the Union address. There's been a lot of varying recaps and perspectives and hot takes and lukewarm takes and cold takes <laughs> surrounding the president's speech. Now, I'm, I'm very happy to join you to kind of give you guys my opinion about what Joe Biden had to say last night, his overall performance as president. And truly, we cannot assess Joe Biden's presidency without taking into consideration his entire political career in Washington, which has been over 50 years. He was, what, one of the youngest ever senators elected when he joined that, that governing body. And he has been a whole piece of shit pretty much the entire time, <laughs> the entire time. And he is about as feckless and as dangerous as a president as he was a vice president and prior to that, a U.S. senator. So that's where we're going to begin today. And people are already texting me, telling me to calm down. <laughs> I would not calm down. I'm, I'm unable to do the calming and the down. But um, so last night's speech was filled with a lot of entertaining and nauseating moments. Personally, as somebody that is not affiliated with the political party, I found the Republican heckling of Joe Biden to be rather entertaining. <laughs> I, I, I laughed several times when Joe Biden was rudely cut off by members of the Republican caucus. I thought it was wonderful. And the response from the lack of decorum shown by the right, the response from the quote unquote left, and I do mean uh elected Democrats, because, you know, there are no true leftists elected to the U.S. Congress, but those on the elected left, the elected official left, their response it was is so predictable and equally as feckless as Joe Biden. And this is the conundrum we find ourselves in, guys. We are facing tremendous problems, social problems, global problems, and there is nobody competent or nobody competent who has a humanity-minded spirit or ethos about them. There's no competent, humane people <laughs> running the operation. And I'm going to start off with a couple of things, okay? So uh, I'm only going to hit on a few of the issues that I took with Joe Biden's speech last night, because this is only roughly a one-hour show, <laughs> and, and and I long have been a hater. I think hater is fair because I mean, not a hate, not like a player hater, not because he's killing the game and I'm jealous. No, I've been a hater of Joe Biden's policies and he's in his positions for a very long time. So it, it really makes me sick to see him be this hitting president because I'm like this motherfucker. Y'all thought the world was ending. You thought Armageddon was coming when Trump was in, pre in office. Mm -mm. <laughs> no, 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 no. Biden is as bad, possibly worse because he's here to give you the snow job on top of things. But anywho, I digress. Let me start off with the issue of police violence and police brutality, because it is one that Biden went to kind of heavy and in, in usual on-brand 
white male liberal Democrat fashion, he totally missed the mark as I expected him to. One of the issues, the main, let's start off with the biggest issue, I suppose, that I had with Joe Biden's State of the Union speech last night. Let's go to the issue again of police violence and police brutality, where on previous speeches, not so far in the past, Joe Biden has stood up there beat his chest and said, I'm down with the cops. In fact, it's important that we fund the police more. We have to give the police more adequate training. What, well, what the fuck have the police been getting, President Biden? If not adequate training, because clearly the training is absolutely not adequate, But or or if you look at it conversely, maybe the training is, is completely adequate because they are trained to be violent and to kill and to escalate situations, to protect property, to protect the interest of the ruling class and to keep poor people in their place. So it looks like as though the police are trained exactly how they have been trained now, but it's only now a political problem, a political issue because a reliable block of the democratic base, black Americans are like, what the fuck, man? What the fuck? Are you going to do anything about what appears to be a continuous onslaught of police violence, primarily aimed at black and brown communities? You just going to come around when it's primary day or when it's election day and give us some, some bullshit. But he gave us the bullshit early. It's very far away from primary and election day. And Joe Biden was ready with the bullshit. So Colin, let's run that first Biden clip on, on the doc, please. Oh, which one was the first? I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> it's okay. The one that is uh, not Bernie Sanders. Let's see. Um, it says, I uh, see. Thank you, Bernie. Oh, and I, then, I found it here. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, Biden says the cops need real training or, or actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's go with let's go with that one. Biden said the cops need real training. Let's go with that one first, please. But too often that trust is violated. Join us tonight are the parents of Tyree Nichols. Welcome. We had to bury Tyree last week. As many of you personally know, there's no words to describe the heartache or grief of losing a child. But imagine, imagine if you lost that child at the hands of the law. Imagine having to worry whether your son or daughter came home from walking down the street, or playing in the park, or just driving a car. Most of us in here have never had to have the talk, the talk that brown and black parents have had to have with their children. Bo, Hunter, Ashley, my children, I never had to have the talk with them. I never had to tell them if a police officer pulls you over, turn your interior lights on right away. Don't reach for your license. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Imagine having to worry like that every single time. Your kid got in a car. Here's what Tyree's mother shared with me when I spoke to her. When I asked her how she finds the courage to carry on and speak out. With the faith of God, she said her son was, quote, a beautiful soul and something good will come of this. Imagine how much courage and character that takes. It's up to us 
to all of us. We all want the same thing. Neighborhoods free of violence. We all want the same thing, neighborhoods free of violence. Well, how, I, I, I would imagine that black neighborhoods and brown neighborhoods would like their neighborhoods free of violence and most importantly, free from police violence. The If you guys go back and check out my interview here with Olayemi Olareen, she said some very astute things. She is the, the, the public defender and abolitionist and she's dope sauce. You need to go check her out. But she said, and she's right, and a lot of people have said this, that the most policed areas, the policed neighborhoods, the areas that have the highest concentration of policing are not the safest neighborhoods. The places that are the safest are the ones that have more resources, the places that have rec centers and club sports for children to go play as opposed to potentially go do other things that could involve the police or even regardless, uh, hello, rich communities have kids doing illegal shit all the time. <laughs> uh, but again, those communities are just not policed to the extent uh, that black and brown communities are policed. And it's so obtuse to me of, of Joe Biden, a very emblematic of his entire political career that Joe Biden is 80 years old and is just coming to the acknowledgement, just coming to the realization now that black parents have to have the talk with their children. And he's like, he's, he's, he's astounded still. Bo, Ashley, Hunter, I never had to have to talk with them. You know why? Because they're white. <laughs> I never had to have the talk with Bo, Ashley and Hunter because they're fucking white. And their dad was a U.S. senator and they had no worries when it came to getting pulled over by the police because they was never in danger of getting in any trouble regardless. Right. Um, and I I'm. So the family and the parents, as you just saw there, of Tyree Nichols were not the only families of people that were murdered by police that were in attendance there last night. I believe Sheila Jackson Lee, the congressperson from Texas, had um, George Floyd's brother there. Congresswoman Chantel Brown from Ohio had Tamir Rice's mom, Samaria Rice there, Tamir Rice, the 12-year-old who was murdered by police in Ohio when he was holding a BB gun, which he was perfectly in his right to do in an open carry state when police shot him down. And there was another, it was another family member of a black person that had been killed by police that was also there in attendance. And I just don't really care for the way in which people who are openly suffering, and I'm not saying that these people are paraded out as though they don't have any autonomy or any say over you know the whose company they end up being at the state of the union it's just very performative on behalf of politicians because at the end of the day nor joe biden nor sheila jackson lee nor chantel brown um unfortunately they are not going to do what it takes from a policy position to make sure that the epidemic of police violence eventually comes to a close, right? We're coming off the year 2022, where police were reported to have killed the most people on record. And the on record part there is very important because 
it is journalists, it is regular ass people that are keeping track of these police murders. The FBI and the Department of Justice do not mandate for local police departments to report to them the number of people that they murder. It's a voluntary submission of that information. The U.S. law enforcement system apparatus and the criminal justice system is not interested in, in maintaining such figures. Why would they want this data that could be pulled out and, and revealed to them? Like, hey, you guys know y'all kill a lot of fucking people every single year. And Joe Biden in large part was an architect of helping to create the criminal justice system in its current iteration with stop and frisk, with racial profiling, with three strikes. I understand he wasn't president when the 1994 crime bill was, was passed. Bill Clinton was or nothing. <laughs> but Joe Biden was right there. He wanted the damn crime bill to be named after him <laughs> to show you how proud he was of the work he did in locking up black people by the hundreds of thousands. It is pretty remarkable to hear Joe Biden to me talk with empathy about police violence and those affected by police violence. And, you know, unfortunately, black bougie liberals, okay, which let me be clear, I am not a black bougie liberal, not even close. I, I am a working class fuck everybody, right? I'm not a no political party. But my point is, black bougie liberals are eating this shit up. I'm seeing the commentary on social media. Oh my God, it's the first time a president has acknowledged <laughs> that black parents have to have the talk. And it's like, fuck your acknowledgement, man. At a certain point, awareness is not enough. What's the action behind it? What is the policy changes behind it? And everything coming from this White House pertaining to police violence, to me, calls for more, okay? It calls for increase in police funding. It calls for further, quote unquote, police training, which we can tell the police are trained to do exactly what they've been doing, harass, profile, kill if necessary, maim, injure, disable. That is what they do to communities of color, okay? And Joe Biden just says they need to figure out how to do this better. <laughs> they, they just need, they just need better training. Um, and that to me speaks tremendous am amount of volumes. I want to play um, another clip from last night because uh, there was a number of things, again, like I said, Joe Biden touched on that to me sounded rather ridiculous. But the first thing, um, what is this? I, I wanted to go next. Oh, actually, pull up that article, if you could, there for me, Colin, the report about Black people are still buying, get, getting killed by police at a higher rate than other groups. Because I don't, I don't hear this being addressed. One other thing that Joe Biden said, I thought I had another Biden clip, Colin. Did I have another Biden clip? Yes, you have. Uh, on this subject, you have one more. Yes. Let, me, let, me, let me play that clip and come back and react to that, and then we'll get to the article. Thank you. I know most cops and their families are good, decent, honorable people, the vast majority. But they risk. And they risk their lives every time they put that shield on. But what happened to Tyree in Memphis happens too often. We have to do better. Give law enforcement the real training they need. 
hold them to higher standards, help them succeed in keeping us safe. We also need more first responders and professionals to address the growing mental health substance abuse challenges. More resources to reduce violent crime and gun crime. More community intervention programs. More investments in housing, education, and job training. All this can help prevent violence in the first place. When police officers or police departments violate the public trust. He goes on to say when police officers violate the public trust, they must be held accountable, which drew a standing ovation from some of those in the chamber and coming off the heels of the beating death of Tyree Nichols. And then, you know, a year or so ago since the conviction of Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd, I feel as though Democrats and liberals of the black bougie ilk and of, you know, the, the white folks <laughs> ilk, they seem to think that the police, when they kill, are usually held accountable. Oh, look, Derek Chauvin was convicted. The system worked. Oh, look, those five police officers in Memphis were fired and arrested and charged rather quickly after the death of Tyree Nichols. The system is working. No, that's incorrect, guys. Out of the people that police murder, which over the past few years has been trending northward of over 1,000 every year, since 2020, actually, the amount of police uh, amount of people killed by police has been increasing, has not been going down, which tells me a couple of things, that the police are ratcheting up and they understand that the consequences, despite a few or a couple of sacrificial lambs, overwhelmingly the consequences are not there, which is the truth, okay? I reported about a story out of Fauquier County, Virginia, which is in Northern Virginia, in which a former fired Fauquier County Sheriff's deputy going in his police vehicle over 100 miles per hour without his lights and sirens on, slammed into a couple, a married couple in their 60s, killed them both on the scene, okay? Um, the cop lost his job. And what do you, do you guys think he was charged with vehicular manslaughter? Do you think he was charged with some sort of felony? No, he was charged with reckless driving, a misdemeanor, a misdemeanor. And that is what I want people to overwhelmingly understand. There are high profile cases of police murdering, usually unarmed people. In this case, you know, both cases of Tyree Nichols and George Floyd, unarmed black people, unarmed black men. Uh, but police kill people all the time in a variety of ways. And I assure you, they are not held to the same level of accountability that you and I would be were we to do the same thing. So Joe Biden is on some 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 pretend he's on he's on some fantasy land to begin with and you notice in that particular clip when he talked about it's it's always this this fawning over the idea that the police have the most dangerous job they don't <laughs> do, do you know what firefighters do uh, do you know what sanitation workers do 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 you know what potentially you know healthcare workers and and even for people that work with those who have mental challenges and who are experiencing mental crisis, like police do not have the most dangerous job. They don't, they're not, they're, <laughs> they're, they're not part of the rebel force. They're not part of the rebel alliance. They're not out here fighting the empire. They are fighting on behalf 
of the empire, which end, by the way, please make no mistake and don't ever forget this. Despite the police unions, despite this, despite that, police are not workers, okay? They are not part of the working class. They are not the same as you or I. They are part of an exempted class. And we see that when they commit crimes, when they break the law, uh, they are above the law. They are not held to the same standards. No, and, and, and because of that, we should not hold them in some sort of special place or have some special praise for police. I really want everybody to absolve themselves of that, especially if you consider yourself left and radical. Okay. We have to get rid of this mythology of the police. And that means shaming Democrats when they start talking that stupid shit as much as fucking possible. And Talking about what Joe Biden says that the police need in terms of better training, he says they need uh, better resources that we, ex we notice the framing there. We, we expect police to be counselors and mental health crises and deal with overdoses. Okay, let, let's, let's change that perspective, shall we, Joe? Let's change that perspective, shall we, America? If the police are not qualified to handle these things, which they are not, they are not qualified mental health professionals. They are not qualified to deal with drug overdoses or people who are experiencing a crisis as a result of taking a copious amount of drugs. Um, maybe we get some new people to do that, yeah? And oh, the good thing is, oh, such good news. The good thing is we have so much money in the budget to allocate, to reallocate, if you will, <laughs> um, to those specialized public health services that actually need to be created, everybody. And imagine what would we could create if we were to, I don't know, defund the police. What? We could take hundreds of millions of dollars away from the police and redirect them into exactly those areas that Joe Biden was speaking of, those areas that Joe Biden says that, you know, that we ask too much of police. Well, police don't want to do them shits. Well, fuck that. They probably do want to do them shits because it gets them paid. <laughs> okay. Cops, cops make a good salary and benefits out here. Okay. Um, they would probably like to continue to do that shit. Don't let them fool you with their complaints. Like we can't be public. We can't be guidance counselors and social workers. Okay. Well then give up that guidance counselor and that social work money. Then chief <laughs> run the people back that money so we can establish new systems and new apparatuses to deal with the things that the police are not qualified, nor they should they be dealing with in the first place. So there is that I am just perplexed. I just, it, it just to hear Jim Crow Joe, <laughs> like y'all, y'all, we don't call him Jim Crow Joe for no reason. Like it is not because the shit rhymes. It's because it fits. <laughs> it, it's, it's a suitable and cute and rhymy, but suitable and appropriate nickname for a, a Northern segregationist, for somebody like Joe Biden, who believes that police are the answer to the problems. Um, and that was again, extended by him showing so much allegiance to the conflict in Ukraine. I wish I had pulled the clip. Shit, I forgot to pull it. But <laughs> do you guys see the part in the speech where Joe Biden was trying to give the Ukrainian ambassador a shout out? And you could see on his face when the name, the person's name appeared in the teleprompter and Joe Biden thought to himself, he said, I can't pronounce that shit. <laughs> he, said, I, he said, you, you, our Ukrainian friend, can you come stand? <laughs> Can you can you stand up? Because I can't call your name because this shit got too many syllables and too many K's and R's. 
also about the speech and oh hold on hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm i'm getting a little ahead of myself let me slow down but i do want to say this really quick what i loved about the speech about the state of the union speech last night is there were a lot of people in the audience who also seemed to hate joe biden <laughs> Because again, I hate Republicans and Democrats equally. So when they attack each other, it's it's the best theater. I said, oh, this is great. This is lovely. Boo that man. <laughs> Every time Biden got cut off, heckled and booed, I laughed my ass off. I did not give a goddamn about the level of decorum or the lack thereof being shown in the house chamber. I said, good, good. Cause this is how I feel. If I were in that house chamber, I too would be booing and heckling that motherfucker. Not sitting next to Marjorie Taylor Greene, mind you, but I would be in there on the other side. They, they would have put me out. Notice they let her stay, but I digress. Pull up that article. If you could for me, Colin, sorry, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna wrap up my, my point here about black people getting killed by the police. And I'm gonna get immediately off of it because this report is back from 2021 um, and it was compiled and uh, based off the data, the database put together by the Washington Post and the project mapping police violence. And this is 2021 again, and it found that 2021 saw an increase of police murders over 2020. And it also showed that again, despite black people only excuse me, being 13% of the population, black people were more likely to be shot by police. Those chances continue to escalate and rise. And like I told you, I think it was last week when the conservatives come at you and tell you that, hey, did you know the police shoot white people more than they shoot black people? You should ask them why they're not pissed about that. Why, why, why does that not make you angry? Why are you okay with police killing people? Oh, police have a dangerous job. The fuck they do. If they if their job was so dangerous, why do they keep drawing guns on unarmed people? Hmm? Oh, anyway, no, let me let me skip that. But so I just wanted to, to to present that as evidence of what I was saying. On to my next thing about Joe Biden's State of the Union speech that really bothered me because I wanted to be clear here, guys. Um, when we talk about how black people are doing in this country right now, uh, the answer is, is not very well. The COVID pandemic overwhelmingly affected the black community, black and brown and indigenous community, but I'm going to speak about black people because black folks have service overwhelmingly fill service level jobs, food preparing jobs, retail jobs, jobs that you basically cannot work from home. Black folks are overwhelmingly impacted by the pandemic, losing, I, 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 I loathe to even quote numbers because the numbers and the record keeping was so slanted in the direction of trying to minimize the overall effect of COVID deaths on the United States. I mean, I, I can't even say how accurate any of these numbers are, but according to the CDC in 2020, I believe about 375,000 people, give or take, died officially of COVID. My assumption is more. In 2021, that number was, I believe, 475,000. And as of last year, 2022, COVID deaths were at their lowest at 275,000. I would feel like a big goof if I have just repeated most of these wrong, but I, I very certain I have gotten that pr 
pretty, <laughs> pretty accurate. Let me pull this up just to make sure. Let me double check myself here for a moment. So even though um, some recent numbers indicate that the, the racial gap in COVID deaths has narrowed, let me not say close, it has narrowed. Um, black and brown and indigenous communities were decimated by COVID. And last night, Joe Biden made a point to talk about how the COVID and the, the COVID pandemic no longer has a grip on our everyday lives. And I thought that was an interesting turn of phrase when you have over 1 million people who have died as a result of this. And let's just assume everybody, I know not every person in the world has a family that loves them or has friends or has a partner, but let's assume that every one of those people that passed away at least had one, right? You had a partner, a child, a parent, a sibling, okay? So if we're talking about 1 million people over the 1 million people gone, how many people do you think that that affected in our country overall? What was the effect do you think that had on children and young people? What was the effect you think it had on older people? The callousness in which America and, it, and its expression of capitalism has shown towards the, the, the victims of a global pandemic and the utter disregard that it continues to show for trying to mitigate the spread of COVID is very, very crass. Do me a favor, uh, Colin, pop up my man, Bernie. And I'm going to talk over it because it's, it's a CNN clip and we don't need to hear from CNN. But basically, last night upon entering the House chamber, the senator from Vermont, Senator Bernie Sanders, I think it's the very Better. clip at the very top. Yep. Yep. So entering the House chamber last night, you see John Fetterman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, look, look at look at a real leader step in the joint. Look at a real leader step in the spot. And I, I don't I don't be on Bernie's yang yang like that, but I'm saying I was very encouraged to see Bernie Sanders, the only person in the room wearing a mask inside of what will undoubtedly be a super spreader event, guys. Joe Biden is 80 million years old. There's no reason that Joe Biden, as a leader of the free nation, free world, whatever, fuck the free world, but <laughs> there's no reason that he should not be modeling care for immunocompromised people, people who are still experiencing long COVID, and for everybody. But because capitalism is determined to run the thing, Joe Biden is talking about COVID as though it is in the past. And he is in the midst of ending the public health emergency, which would, in effect, make it cost prohibitive for people who do not have insurance to get COVID testing, to get the vaccine if they wanted it. And again, when we look at in this country, who has access to health care who has health insurance, overwhelmingly, it's not black folks. And let me be clear, that is racist in itself. And I'm going to tell you why. Because oftentimes, overwhelmingly in America, apparently in America, you only get access to health care coverage, not only if you work, but you have to have like a good job, right? Um, people work a lot of hourly wage positions, okay? Sometimes they'll have one, two, three jobs and won't have insurance at any of them, okay? Because this country does not have 
a robust or effective or all-encompassing social safety net. Like America, I mean, basically, if you're poor, eh, maybe you live, maybe you die. <laughs> like, who could really say? But try to show up for that eight to four shift if you could at Starbucks because, you know, people need their coffee because we got to keep the economy going. And, and the ways in which Biden was so comfortable to declare the pandemic over when it's clearly not over, to withhold and withdraw and rely on a intransient Congress to get COVID funding passed is preposterous. I feel as though there has to be a way um, to potentially earmark. I know the, the executive branch is not necessarily, you know, dictate the way that government budgets are spent, but goddamn, something must be done here. Or what I think has happened is that the U.S. government and capitalism are just resigned to let COVID be endemic um, and just let it continue to percolate with its new variants, with, with its damaging, killing variants. By the way, um, forever and ever. By the way, hold on, let me pull up the CDC real quick because I just saw this. Did you guys know how many COVID deaths there were last week? There were 3,452. And Joe Biden last last night on the State of the Union said that COVID deaths are down by 90%, okay? And on the surface, that sounds like a good stat. Mm. But when we're talking about 275,000, 475,000 deaths, if you're still looking at 10% of that, it's still a lot of people. <laughs> it's, still, it's, still, it's still a big chunk of folks that have died from the COVID. And COVID is the third leading cause of death in the United States, with heart disease being the first leading cause of death. Now, COVID is known to have lingering vascular effects and also effects on your blood in addition to all your organs, including your heart. So I would imagine that even some of those heart disease deaths last year can easily be attributed to COVID. To what, to what number? I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not a doctor. I just play one on the internet. But it would be silly and foolish for us not to think that COVID was still ha not having a significant impact on American public health, which it totally is. And the Biden administration has just resigned itself to look at COVID as something that was in the past. And that, to me, is a racial issue all day long, because folks who don't have access to health care, be them working people or not working people, but overwhelmingly the working poor work and do not have access to health care. It is them contracting COVID. It is them dying from COVID. It is them still suffering from long COVID. And let me please extend my thoughts and wishes out to everybody out there with long COVID. I was looking at a lot of the reaction from the hashtag long COVID community on social media, and they were furious and felt utterly abandoned, further abandoned by Joe Biden's public health policies that he, again, continues to talk about COVID as something in the past and not something that is currently still batting up the American healthcare system. So there is that. The other part that I wanted to talk about, when we talk about the state of Black America under Joe Biden, Jim Crow Joe. How would you expect Black Americans to fare under Jim Crow Joe? <laughs> Maybe, maybe not so great. Maybe not so wonderful. Uh, there was a piece here that I found. Hold on, let me find, let me refine it because I keep losing things in my notes here. But we are dealing with a housing crisis in America. Did you guys know 
uh, perhaps may maybe you noticed your rents go up 10, 20, 30% over the past year. Maybe you noticed when you were trying to move into your new place, your new potential landlords were asking for quite a lot of documentation out of you. Bank statements, pay stubs, referrals, blah, 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 blah. It's almost like they don't want you to move anywhere. <laughs> it's almost like they don't want you to move anywhere. Um, and again, if you're black and you factor in racial bias and housing discrimination, again, issues that have had to been tackled over many decades federally at the federal level in the court system, no less, because trying to acquire housing or buy a house or even rent a place as a black person can be a little challenging in, in a, in a racist settler uh, colony. That is, that is America. Do me a favor, Colin, pop up that Harvard, the Harvard piece, if you could, because Harvard has a joint center for housing studies and they have a very interesting Twitter. Oh, no, no, no. There's a different, that's a different Twitter account, but the Twitter account that I like to follow is called eviction lab. And they do a very good job of tracking the eviction crisis that is happening across this country. That again, do, do y'all feel as though people are having these conversations or is this, is this a, a source of shame for folks? Are people openly talking about how hard it is to come across housing? Let me set the issues with renters uh, aside for a moment because Part of the myth, the mythology of the American dream is this notion of home ownership, right? Um, and, and it's true. I mean, the way in America that you acquire and accumulate wealth is by owning real estate. Most people do that, I suppose, <laughs> by, by, by attempting to buy a house. Uh, consider yourself fortunate if you've ever inherited a, a piece of land or a home, regardless of the condition of what it was in, y'all. There's a lot of people out here who have never lived in a single family home, whose families, to their knowledge, not in recent generations, have never owned anything, right? Which accounts tremendously for the wealth gap and the in well, not the income, but the wealth gap in this country, okay? Pop up that Harvard thing again. I'm sorry, Colin. So um, Harvard, I'm sorry, let me stop saying it like that. <laughs> Uh, you know, I feel as though the Ivies are pretentious, so I try to say it pretentious and mockingly as I can. Harvard, Harvard, Harvard put this out in nearly every state, okay? In nearly every state, people of color likely are less likely, less, I mean, the, the less is, is very important here. People of color are less likely to own homes compared to white households. Hmm, what? In nearly every state you say? No, are you sure that's not just in the racist South? You know, you know, we, we know it's just the South that's racist, right? <laughs> uh, sure, surely, surely there's more black home ownership in other areas. Um, and, and there is, but no, the whole country is racist, everybody. Uh, Malcolm X famously said, everything South of the Canadian border is Mississippi. Um, and as, as that's only semi-accurate because black Canadians will tell you and First Nation peoples of Canada will tell you everything south of the Arctic Circle is fucking Mississippi. Make no mistake about that. So in this Harvard 
study uh the the, the their their housing studies department came up with this report in which they found listen to this y'all listen to this i want you you have to listen very carefully okay 71% of white people own homes. They own their own homes. So maybe, maybe I'm saying that. Hold on. Let me make sure I'm saying, I'm saying it right. It's 71% of white households. I don't see what's the difference between white, white households and white people. <laughs> don't, don't the white people live in the white households? All righty. 71% of white households own their home. Deep that. I just want you to sit there. I need you to let that, let that percolate for about five seconds. Four, three, two, one. That's a hell of a statistic, guys. 71%, nearly three quarters of all whites, <laughs> like all home dwelling whites own their homes. Now, would you like to know how that compares to, oh, let's, let's say black people, let's say black people. Let me quote directly here from the piece. It says, however, the racial home ownership is most striking for black households at just 41.7% black households have the lowest Home ownership rates nationally, 30.0 percentage, yes, 30, 30 percentage points lower than white households. That's, 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 that's a stunning gap. Indeed, black-white home ownerships, uh, home ownership gaps exceeded percentage-wise in 31 states, pardon me, 37 states, including 10 states where they exceeded 40 percentage points. So this is again, going state by state and the levels of black white home ownership varied from state to state, but it was striking, most striking overall where whites owned 71, white households owned 71%. They were owners of their households compared to only 41%. That's a gap of 30 points. And when we're talking about wealth accumulation, and we do this generationally, guys, right? Compound this from your parents, from your grandparents, from your great-grandparents, right? If you have three to four generations, maybe more, of home and land ownership um, compared to people who have never been able to buy and therefore perhaps pass on home and or land to their heirs, this is why the wealth gap continues and persists at the tremendous rate that it does. Um, and you know what I heard Joe Biden do last night in his, <laughs> in his State of the Union speech? Not to say that he should have been addressing black home ownership rates specifically, um, but the failure to continually acknowledge the reasons why we have these gaps in income and in wealth and home ownership and levels of higher education and access to health care and communities that are affected most by police violence, all of this roots back to racism and capitalism. Okay. The Democrats are not going to lead us out of that, nor are the Republicans. So I think it's past time for us as a collective <clears throat> to, it's time to get fucking creative out here, guys. Like, and, and I'm gonna tell you why. Cue up, if you could, for me, Colin, uh, the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez response when she was on uh, Rachel Maddow because AOC, I don't, I don't know who is the head of the DC. I mean, I mean, I, let me rephrase, let me rephrase. 
not to say who is the head of the Democratic Party. Clearly, it's Joe Biden. Right. But I mean, no, seriously, like who do people look for the leadership? Is it uh, Hakeem Jeffries? Yeah. Nancy Pelosi? Yeah. <laughs> Yuck. Uh, who else is out there? AOC. Like people look to AOC, whether or not you like her, dislike her, agree with her, don't, you know, don't care for her, whatever. Um, they go to AOC, they ask her, cause she is like the, 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 the voice of a new generation, I suppose. And it, and it, and it's a very disappointing generation. It's a very underwhelming generation that she is the new voice of the squad has, has proven itself to be mm, less than capable, but, um, it's these reasons that I would like, love for us to start focusing on third party candidates to start supporting them financially and with our, you know, overall support because elected Democrats, whether they are faux Republicans like Joe Biden or they are centrist, I guess Hakeem Jeffries is what we would call a centrist, or even if they are on the quote unquote left like AOC and Ilhan Omar, but they're not really the left. <laughs> I mean, they're they're very liberal, they're faux progressive, but I wouldn't call them leftists per se. Um, and this is why, because in this clip we're about to see with AOC, she was uh, on Maddow reacting to Joe Biden's speech. And she was not pleased uh, with the, the, the levels of disrespect that came from the Republicans, but, you know, she makes it a point to tell us that water is wet. Let's take a look at this clip. Our take from our studio view of the president's speech tonight was that it was unusually interactive. Lawrence O'Donnell used the word the combative, described it as the most combative State of the Union speech that he'd ever seen. That was our impression from here. What was your impression in the room and what did you make of the president's remarks? Absolutely. I, um, you know, I, I may not have served as many terms as or have as much experience as, as other members, but this is my, uh, you know, fourth or fifth now, and I have never seen a State of the Union um, that was so disrupted uh, by members of either party. Even under President Donald Trump, uh, there we saw nowhere near the level of jeering, interruption, etc., uh, that we saw by some of, you know, I want to say the extreme elements of the Republican Party, but they are now being embraced and uplifted as the center of the Republican Party. Um, and it, it, I mean, it, it's really shocking even the things that, are, that the overall Republican Party refused to stand for, paying public school teachers, public health policy, basic education policy, raising the wage for some of our lowest paid workers in the United States. You know, I mean, it, this should be really basic stuff, um, sky is blue kind of stuff. And the Republican Party, I think, really showed the country who they are tonight, um, that they have been taken over and that this it, this isn't some right wing. This is the ethos of the modern Republican Party. The stars of the forthcoming Ben Stiller comedy special called almost progressive. Rachel Maddow, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, starring in the new Hollywood blockbuster. <laughs> uh, we, we were almost leftists. Uh, and, and then, and then, and then, and then. This is why I can't stand Democrats. 
they're so caught up in decorum. They're so caught up in civility. And again, all the pearl clutching. I mean, it was really, oh, it was really shocking to see that the Republicans behave. Was it shocking? Did you not see the motherfuckers run up into the U.S. Capitol on January 6th? Like, are you shocked that those who did not denounce the actions of January 6th. I don't denounce them shits either, by the way, just for the record. <laughs> I, 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 I was rooting for the January 6th insurrections. I said, yes, turn that shit up. But regardless, how how can Democrats pearl clutch and, and feign disgust at the behaviors of Republicans? Like th th this, this failure to acknowledge who your enemy is and what your enemy is capable of doing is why Democrats are going to continue to get punched in the face as they continue to reach across the aisle. Keep trying to reach across the aisle that people that want to see your constituents dead, not just downtrodden, not just oppressed. They want your constituents to die. Okay. Democrats, Republicans want black people to die. They want gay people to die. They want trans people to die. If these bitches, AKA women, won't bear babies, they want them to die. And they, and the Democrats, like AOC, who's supposed to be the lefty of the lefty, right? All she can talk about is, well, I hope the American people got to see the Republicans for who they are. Honey, we've been, we've been new. <laughs> we've been new. Why ain't you new? As my grandmother would say, why ain't you new? Why won't these Democrats squad up, pun intended, and be a foil to establishment Democrats, the ways in which these petulant immature Republicans did to get their way when it came to making sure that House Speaker McCarthy gave in to the concessions of the fringe right, which as uh, as AOC noted, they are no longer the fringe. They are in fucking control. It would have been amazing if, I don't know, a, a group of elected, I don't know, women of color in the Democratic Party, if they had stuck to their guns and become obstinate and you know uh, even demonstrated a little bit of petulance and i know the racial and gender dynamics are quite different between the squad and the number of house democrats that were mucking up the election of uh kevin mccarthy as speaker and and that and that does make a difference but don't matter <laughs> We wanted to see a little bit of that from them. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, Jamal Bowman. Well, I guess, was he part of the squad? I guess he was, you know, the, the, the boy member of the group. That's fine. I mean, they have just demonstrated that they're not interested in, in doing that kind of work. They will vote for huge military budgets. They will continue to vote to send military aid to Ukraine. And there's nothing radical or even progressive about the policies that they end up supporting. Okay. And this is why we have to do something different. This is why I say burn it all down and let's start anew because the system as it is, is not going to reform itself. The police are not about to defund themselves and we don't have the representation in place that is actually going to stand up and assert for us. But here's the thing though, we actually have the power did I say this already? Not today, but I know I've said it before. Jeff Bezos is a multi-billionaire. 
And the reason he's a multi-billionaire is because there are thousands of people that show up to work at Amazon every day to help guarantee that his billions will continue to roll in. But let those many thousands of people not show up at Amazon for a day, for a week, for a month. Jeff Bezos no longer has the power. The workers have the power. He's going to be conceding everything to get them to show back up so his billions can continue to roll in. And maybe he, instead of a hundred billion, maybe he only gets, you know, 80 billion. I don't fucking know. Um, but it's time for the United States, for the working class of people of the United States, for black people and our allies. And I do mean real allies. You cannot be a liberal ally. <laughs> okay. And you, you have to be an anti racist ally. That's it. Not non-racist, anti-fucking-racist. We clear on anti-racist, right? I don't want to hear that. I don't see color shit. <laughs> don't let that come out your mouth, ally. I want to hear I punch Nazis in the face shit. Okay? Like, we don't tolerate that. Like, we have to go in a whole new direction. This tepid uh, centrism, the, these, these moderates that, that are the Democrats, it's not going to work. It's not enough. And Joe Biden is, is the, currently he's the figurehead of that. He is the Democrat who wants to be a Republican. He is the Democrat who is more concerned about what Republicans think and what potentially centrist voters think. And, and he's very mindful of how he speaks to them. Okay. But he's not so mindful about how he speaks to members of his own constituency to the many groups that make up the democratic base. The state of the black union is this guys, we are never going to be free voting for Democrats. Okay. It's going to take us 1000 years of voting <laughs> for, for black people to gain parity and to gain true freedom that other citizens, that people, white folks, enjoying this country. Okay. We're not going to get there with the democratic party. We will absolutely not get there with the Republican party. If the option is third party, I don't know about that. I think it's important that we have a worker led revolution. I think it's integral that unions continue to form that the racism that can be found within the labor spaces be recognized, be rooted out, Make sure that it is a multiracial, multi-gender identity. All of the things, like this is what the 21st century is supposed to mean when we talk about inclusion and, and equality. It, it, it is about tossing out the old guard that is upholding the status quo. And Joe Biden is the king of that. Kamala Harris, <laughs> despite... Despite the, you know, racial identity boxes that she checks, uh, she is still an agent of the state and she is there to preserve and uphold the empire. But the empire must crumble and the empire understands that it is crumbling. So it's going to be imperative for us to have plans about what will take its place because the right is preparing for fascism. They are preparing for Nazism. They too understand that the empire is going to crumble and they are trying to put their shit in place to make sure, again, when it crumbles, it's going to fall in the way that they want it to. Okay. 
Um, but we cannot let that because it's going to mean death for a lot of us. And it's going to mean further subjugation for the rest of us. And just be clear, the Democrats are not going to be the ones to lead us out of this, to save us, nor as government. They do not keep us safe. We keep us safe. That is my time, good folks at Status Quo. Please, before you depart, uh, don't forget to grab your gift bag <laughs> and, and uh, give us a like on the way out the door. Give uh, the video a like, share, subscribe, become a member of Status Quo. Go on over to the Substack and sign up for the Status Quo newsletter. Substack, Substack, Substack. And please head on over to my channel. Um, I rant very similar to this, except I crack way more jokes and I read way <laughs> much more out the chat. Go on over to my channel, Burn It Down with Kim Brown. I do my show Tuesday, Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern. You can also catch me over on Black Power Media, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning, starting at 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Oh, fuck, not 10 p.m. 10 a.m. Eastern time, okay? All right, on behalf of uh, Status Quo, thank you so much to Zayda. Thank you so much to Jordan. And thank you so much to Colin in the back pushing buttons. See y'all later. Bye-bye.